You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the podcast. Today is a bonus podcast. Uh, just an extra podcast that I did a while back that nev- I never released. I, to be honest with you, I forgot about it. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep this intro really short. Today, we are joined by a gentleman named Philip Taylor. And he went through five broadheads in two, two years. Five different brands of broadheads in two years. And uh, today, we're going to talk with him about the search for the broadhead that he ended up with, why he chose it, maybe some of the problems that he was facing um, while trying to pick out uh, his favorite broadhead or the next broadhead he was going to use. So today, uh, Philip shares that story with us. But before we get into today's podcast, let's see what Matt Klein from Exodus Trail Cameras has to say about why it is important to have the right SD cards and the right batteries for your trail cameras good question so we talk a lot about this but uh you know memory cards and batteries are something that i think are holding a lot of cameras back and i'd hate to say it but i think a lot of people that have a bad experience with hundred dollar or so cameras may have had a bad experience with their batteries um cards maybe not so important there was a time of day when cards would give people fits in different cameras um, i think most cameras on the market today are smart enough that they can recognize different cards we recommend a class four or six card um, if you're running hd video or just photos um, that should suffice for most cameras on the market but batteries are where things can really get out of control i actually just wrote a big blog post on this maybe we can include in the show notes but what happens is alkaline batteries are just not made well with trail cameras. They're not made to work well with trail cameras. As they die, their voltage goes down, and that causes trail cameras to have problems. It causes your flash to have problems, your flash distance, your trigger speed, your trigger distance. All of these things are affected by alkaline batteries as they start to die. And most people think that that's towards the end of their life cycle, but it actually starts about a quarter of the way into the life cycle of alkaline batteries. Um, lithium batteries all the way, we talk about that a lot. Lithium batteries will get you the most, not only out of your Exodus lift cams, but all of your trail cameras that you have on the market. 
If you guys want to find out more information about Exodus trail cameras, be sure to visit exodusoutdoorgear.com. And if you like what you read and you like your research and decide to purchase, enter the code nine fingers. That's the number nine followed by the word fingers, no spaces, and you will receive $20 off your purchase. Now let's get into today's broadhead review podcast with Philip Taylor. All right. On the phone with me now is Philip Taylor. How you doing today, Philip? Doing great, Dan. How about yourself? I can't complain. Still fighting this cold. Um, a big, big uh, ice storm actually came through the area. So uh, the entire area is shut down right now. <laughs> I mean, I, I honestly, I don't know how y'all do it. The winter's up here. I mean, I, I live in Lufkin, Texas, which is about, it's the eastern side of the state, kind of in between Dallas and Houston. It's um, it's piney woods and hardwood bottom, river bottoms and stuff like that. But, I mean, I think I had one day where I got below 30. Oh, boy. This whole thing. It was, oh, kind, of, man, it, it was kind of funny. When I lived in Alabama, um, it snowed for it dropped to about 32 degrees for two days and it snowed and there wasn't even an inch on the ground i'm talking just a light coating on the ground and they closed everything down oh absolutely if there's even like ice in the forecast i mean it, they, they'll usually <laughs> shut down cool well um what do you do for a living philip um, I do like remodeling, some general contracting, and then also I've got some like rental properties and stuff I manage. Okay, okay. Um, and uh, does that keep you pretty busy? It does, but I mean, it, also I'm real flexible. Um, right. I've kind of like over the last couple of years created this so that I could basically have October and November where. I mean, unless it's just an emergency, emergency. I mean, I'm I'm pretty much. I usually don't miss days that I want to be out. So right, right. Um, um, I so you slam real hard time until September, probably. Right, and then when does the uh, season open in Texas? Um, we normally open like either the last weekend of September or the first weekend of October, just depending on the day that it falls. So we this year we opened October one. Okay. And uh, how did your 2016 season go? And it was the best season I've ever had. It's not even close. So it was um, basically like I've been bow hunting since I was 16, but I, you know, I guess over the last three years, I took about a nine year hiatus. And then over the last three years, I've kind of come with all the puzzle pieces I always had and like, you know, started listening really started when I started listening to the wired to hunt and then you and Mark, it's just, um, just all kind of the stars aligned. And I mean, I've just been ate up with it. Like, I mean, it's like I was 16 again, you know, that (laughs) feeling. The last year in 2015, I, I missed one and I lost one. And, um, and so, you know, I mean, I was getting the opportunity, so I felt really confident in that aspect that, this year, I mean, I closed the deal twice on a once my first ever buck with a bow, 
He was a four and a half year old eight point. He scored about 121, which around here, you know, I think we're about 30 inches off of what y'all are used to up in the Midwest. You know, okay. like still a 170 incher in our, like in our place, that's like killing a 200 incher, you know, where you are. Gotcha. Um, and it's, it's pretty consistent, you know, I mean, I think, you know, about that 30 inches. Right. So, um, so what are the deer numbers like in your area? Um, they're, I mean, they're he- really healthy. I think, I mean, I've, you know, I've been running cameras hard for three years and, um, I mean, we've had incredible conditions with light winters and great wet springs and hard, you know, our mass crops have been just insane for three years in a row. And, right. um, and so everything, I mean, it's probably getting above carrying capacity because of the does, you know, but also the offspring and I mean, everything, but it's still healthy. I mean, you know, when I go out and sit, I mean, a good sit is anywhere between seeing five to seven deer. I mean, that's a really good sit in October, you know, when it's, when things are kind of. Right. Is uh, what's the rut? When's the rut happen down there in Texas where you're from? I'd say it's pretty much from Halloween day all the way through Thanksgiving. And I mean, and that's pretty consistent over the last three years from cameras and also from sitting and seeing, seeing it's right. So the reason you're on the show today is because I got an email from you and, uh, it said that you shot three different broadheads one partic- particular year and uh, two the next year. So it was like uh, five different broadheads in a span of two years. And I thought I would love to get uh, more information about that search for the broadhead that you and it finally ended up going through. So I guess what we'll do is we'll just start off right at the beginning and um, – when when you started looking for a different broadhead uh, two years ago, what were you what were you looking for? Where did your search start, so to speak? Well, um, it kind of basically, um, when I got back into really serious bow hunting in 2014, I upgraded. I was shooting like a 93 Martin, still shooting aluminum arrows and I was shooting old Thunderhead, which I've just always had good luck with. And, but when I moved to, I moved, I bought a Hoyt in 2014 as a 2012 model. And when I moved up to it and I started shooting my broadheads, like it was, they were just spraying everywhere, the fixed broadhead. And I really wanted to stick with a fix, but, um, but I wasn't, a hundred percent that I had to do that. You know, I wanted accuracy right. at that point. I wanted accuracy more than anything. Right. So what was it? Uh, I mean, obviously you got a new bow. Um, did you change your arrow setup too, or did you stick with the same arrows as well? Uh, no, I moved to the carbon. I shoot a, a carbon express, a red, you know, maximum red. Right. Uh, okay. So what was it? about this new bow that you felt was throwing your, you know, your, your arrow set up and, and broadheads all over the place. 
Uh, well, I, I assumed it was like the the speed and the, the just the you know wider arrow. I mean, I didn't really know. Um, but then, you know, back then, back then, I mean, I really didn't shoot my broadhead at them, but they always hit where I was aiming. You know, at deer, and um, I mean, they were accurate. And but then, you know, once I kind of got into it, I started. You know, that's when I I started realizing. I mean, they, my thunderheads were shooting a good three inches high and right. I mean, and so then, so the search was on and, you know, I mean, the thing is when you're searching broadheads, they're expensive. And so you, you, we got to suck it up and buy a $40 pack and, and, and just experiment. Okay. So did you, did you feel that it, it, it may not have been the broadhead at that point, but maybe the spine of the arrow on a new higher speed bow that was causing some of your problems? Um, that, I mean, I, I mean, I, I just kind of go with the maximum red cause it, I mean, it's just got a good reputation. Um, so I was thinking it was, I mean, that Thunderhead has a real long, it's a long and kind of bulky broadhead. Um, you know, when we get kind of to where I've where I've kind of gone, you know, I mean, what I'm finding with the fixed is that these these compact designs and and um, and you know, kind of smaller compact like fixed blades just are flying better. Or they do with my bow. I mean, I've found too that that I that you know I feel is just as accurate with field points. Right. Or with the Thunderhead, still, I mean, it's still just. It just throws all over the, you know, it still throws off. It's Okay. So did you try, before you said, hey, I need a new broadhead, did you try to do any tweaking with your setup to maybe improve the accuracy before you said, hey, it's the broadhead's problem? The broadhead is, um, the, I, is the problem for my inaccuracy? I did a little bit, but... Um, problem is is that like the local bow shop here i mean the guy's pretty good but he's not like he's not real into like you know changing stuff up on micro tuning right um so like i just kind of so yeah i kind of ran into a dead end there i mean since like this last year i did take my shop or my bow up to a shop in houston and they had you know like they had just the equipment that they had you know i mean they and they they professionally tuned it, but I will say that that thunderhead still shoots off. I mean, I think it's not quite three inches, but I mean, it's still high and right or high and left actually. And, you know, two and a half to two inches off. So, okay. So you made the decision to, uh, maybe get rid of those thunderheads and start looking at other broadheads. Um, did you decide to stick with a fixed blade or were you also looking at mechanicals as well? Um, no, at that point, I, I, that's when I started looking at mechanicals for the first time. Cause I've just, it was, you know, I mean, this is kind of probably in season. So I just needed to make sure I had a, a field tip or not a field tip, but a, you know, a blade that was going to, be more accurate. So I actually did. That's in 2015. I went to the um, the kill zone, the NAP two inch kill zone, hundred grain. Okay. And uh, when you when you first 
started shooting that head, you know, obviously you took it out to the range, I take it, and, and shot a couple of them before you actually went into the, uh, went to hunt? Yeah, kind of when I, what I do with, when I buy a new pack is I just take one, the broadheads out and make it a target broadhead and I just shoot it, you know, once and, and then just see, you know, keep that way, you know, I mean, the other two or three broadheads, whatever the pack comes with, I mean, those are for hunting purposes. Well, you know, once I feel comfortable. Gotcha. So what was your first impression, first impression of that NAP kill zone? Um, I mean, you know, I really thought it was, it's pretty decent. Um, the, that year I shot a, a harvest of the doe with using that. And, it, you know, I, I kind of went a little high and right, but it was still a double lung and it passed through all the way through. Um, later that year, I also, had, I've also had the muzzy trocar, which I felt pretty comfortable with that. But, um, I wasn't sure. I mean, you know, at that point, my bow hadn't been professionally tuned. It shot better than the the, um, the Thunderhead. I mean, I was really just, I'm a fixed blade guy. So, yeah, I still right. was trying that. So, and I did. I, so, my question is yeah. then, before the season started, or this was in the middle of the season, right? You got this new bow. It It was not shooting the way you wanted it to, you felt it was the broadhead that was um, causing the issue. So then you decided to go to an NAP kill zone, which is mechanical. And your, and your thought there was you might get a little bit more accuracy because it's, uh, it's an expand or it's uh, mechanical, right? Yeah, for sure. I had the accuracy with it. I mean, cause I shot it plenty in it. It hit, you know, okay. same place. Now, you mentioned this muzzy uh, trocar. Was were you shooting this head the same time you were shooting the mechanicals in in the stand too, or was this later on down the line? Um, it, at that point, I mean, I had the the trocar with me just in case, like if I didn't feel comfortable shooting the expandable, you know, for, I don't know. Like I said, I'm a fixed blade guy, so I prefer, but I, at that point I felt that, I was, that the kill zones were more accurate. The trocars seemed to be off just a little bit. Okay. So you, you were shooting two different broadheads, right? <sighs> at the same time? Pretty much. I mean, I, at that point I preferred, like to shoot at an animal is going to be the kill zone because of the accuracy. Okay. Um, felt more comfortable with it. Okay. Um, and then you, you bought some muzzies and, uh, I guess, how, how did they fly? Um, at that point before I had my bow professionally tuned, they flew a lot better. I mean, they were still they were still shooting a little high and left, but I mean you know I mean more like an inch and a half or an inch, um, and then I just I mean I just didn't seem to shoot them as consistent, you know, and that might have been partly form I don't know, but um, at that point I just felt, comp- you know I mean the kill zones for sure were dialed in like my field points. Okay, so is the 
kill zone, what you went to the tree with or what, what you went to the blind with when you were hunting, you were using the, the kill zones, right? Yeah. My arrow, I'd have, usually have a kill zone. Okay. All right. So you're a fixed blade guy. You started shooting these NAP kill zones. What what happened to why you decided to maybe move on to another broadhead from that? If they if the accuracy was uh, was on point, did did you lose a deer or did you feel that the uh, mechanical didn't function like it was supposed to? Well, like the, the, the beginning open weekend this year, I shot shot a doe at about eight yards. I was probably twenty three feet up, and and um, I mean it was. It was basically right behind the shoulder and then exited like towards like the front, like, you know, over chest cavity. Right. And, uh, I got, I got full penetration, but it didn't pass through all the way, you know, the arrows was sticking out each side of her. And, and so that just didn't seem right. And, and so after open weekend, I went down to Houston, got my bow professionally tuned and I just happened to, um, pick up some sleep tricks. Okay. So you felt that that NAP kill zone at 23 yards should have, and at the angle, uh, should have passed all the way through that deer, right? Yeah, it was actually, I mean, she was like eight yards. I was like 23 feet up. So, I mean, oh, okay. Was, and I know like that, you know, that it gets real thick up in that, front of that chest cavity but still i mean i just just seemed like it you know didn't the penetration wasn't there and so really what i'm when i'm looking for a broadhead i mean accuracy and then then penetration is is equally as important to me okay because i like to have good blood trails right for sure did um did you hit the the opposite side shoulder at all to prevent that from uh, going through, or did you hit any bone that you th- think may have slowed the arrow down on uh, on that? Well, I, I mean, it, it went through the behind the shoulder and then exited towards that like front of that chest cavity. You know where where it's real thick in there, so it kind of yeah. that's where it kind of stuck in. You know. So, I mean, that's, that, I guess, is somewhat understandable. I mean, it's thick, you know, in, right. in that front chest. Did you right end under. up, did you end up finding that deer or did, or did you never find yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, she, uh, I found her. She was, it was a good blood trail because it did, I mean, it did, you know, penetrate both sides. So it was a good blood trail and. She actually went about 200 yards, which was surprising. I mean, I double lunged her. Um, okay. So when you then started looking at slick tricks, was why did you decide to go back to um, a, a fixed blade after using those NAPs? Did you just not have a good feeling about the way the mechanical works or – I mean, I understand you're a fixed blade guy, but ultimately, what does that mean? Yeah, shortly after that, I, I shot a, a pig, and um, right behind the shoulder, and it 
basically did kind of like it didn't pass through cleanly. And it was only about a 125-pound pig. And, I mean, I, I, I'm pretty sure I was past the shoulder plate. And it, but I saw the, you know, the arrow going in both sides and that pig, I did not recover. And that's when, when I was, then, then I started worrying about penetration and just, I mean, the thought, you know, the way the mechanicals work, you know, any friction, you know, when that blade's opening up, that's causing, it's got to be causing friction. You know, I'm not a, uh, an engineer, so. I don't know, you know, a fixed blade, it just seems like there's less friction, so better penetration. Right. And yeah, and that's pretty much uh, the science that uh, we talk about when we talk about mechanicals. We say, you know, if there is any energy going to blade deployment, you're going to lose some of that, uh, some of that penetration. So you went, you went with a, you went with slick trick. Uh, what made what kind of led you to Slick Trick? Um, just I talked to some buddies of mine that um, that had, one of my buddies, he, um, his wife, he's just he's an old um, Thunderhead shooter, and so he's got his bow tuned where it'll shoot him fine. But his wife's bow wouldn't shoot the Thunderheads good, and so he put her on the Slick Tricks. And then another buddy of mine. It had a lot of success with his. I mean, he loved them. So I just picked up the pack and came home, and, man, I shot them, and they were dead. I mean, I, you know, I mean, they were as locked in on my field tips. Just, I, was, I was blown away. So what slick tricks did you end up getting? They're the Viper trick. Okay, the Viper trick. Which is, uh, it's kind of got, like, it's kind of a two-blade with, but then it's got two bleeder blades. So it's kind of like, a, it's a four blade, but it's kind of like two blades and then two half blades, you know? Gotcha. So it's really half. And, and those shot, uh, those shot well for you? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, I really, I mean, when I say they shot like my field points, I don't, you know, I mean, they were dead on. Okay. So, how did, you know, from a penetration, were you able to kill a couple of deer with these slick tricks? Yeah, the first um, the first deer that I killed, the buck this year, he killed him with a slick trick. And, um, I mean, it was, it was about a 23-yard shot, and I was probably about 20 feet up, and it, it um, entered in through behind the shoulder and then blew out past his back shoulder. And, um, I mean, full penetration, great blood. And I mean, he was, he was down within 40 yards. And so it did, I mean, it was a good shot that, I mean, I was impressed with that it blew through that back shoulder and didn't stop it. Gotcha. So, uh, good blood trail, everything like that. I mean, from a, from a fixed broadhead standpoint, did it do everything that you wanted it to do? It, uh, yeah, I mean it. It was basically it was what I was looking for. Okay, so and, it started. You know, it worked good for you. But I'm looking here, and did you decide to go with and like? Did you shoot another broadhead this year as well? Yeah, um, the second buck that I killed this year, I actually shot with a muzzy, and that was, I mean, mainly in part because. 
I've run out of my muzzy trope, or I mean, I've run out of the slick tricks. I've shot two pigs with my slick tricks, and um, and so I was just out of them. And I, and at that point, you know, when I after I got my bow professionally tuned, the muzzy trope cars flew. I mean, I'd say just as well as the um, the slick tricks. Okay. And so I felt comf- You know, I had one and already made up, and so. I felt comf- just as comfortable with it and, and ended up harvesting a, my second bug. It was a seven and a half year old. He was like, kind of, he's what we call a cold, but he was a stud. I mean, I was real proud of him. Awesome. So was that in, in the two year period you were fixed, then you went to mechanical, then you went back to fixed. Um, do you see yourself st- staying in the the fixed realm or um do you feel that having your bow tuned fixed any problems that you were having with your uh you know your fixed blade accuracy yeah i, I mean i think i think the tuning and then i also think i you know think that the muzzy trocar and the slick trick designs are real compact and their ferals are pretty short, so I just think they fly back. I mean, I think that old um, Thunderhead, I mean, back when, you know, aluminum arrows and, you know, the, the bow speeds weren't what they were. I mean, of course, like I said, I never put them on a target because I just assumed that they flew like my field points. But, I mean, they always did the job, but they just, even after my bow was tuned, those just didn't work for me. But, um, but, you know, I found the slick trick, and I like the muzzy trick part. Probably slick trick is my preferred. So um, are you going to stick with the slick tricks, or are you going to go uh, look for something else? Uh, I think, I mean, I've found everything that I've wanted in it. Um, you know, I was able to harvest two pigs and then a buck with them, and I got passed through on all of them, and, I mean, I've, I've been, I've just been real happy with it. Okay. And uh, I take it you're going to stay in, uh, you're going to stay with fixed blades. Do you, do you ever see yourself maybe going back to uh, a mechanical at any point? I'll probably like what I'll do is I'll probably going into next year. I'll, I'll probably, um, I may try the, the ray, a rage. I mean, I just see all these, I mean, I don't know if I'm just getting adver- the advertisement, you know, or what, but the, they seem to put some pretty big, massive holes in right. animals. So they try those out on some pigs. And, but, I mean, the, the the slick trick is, I mean, there's there's no reason for me not to shoot it. I mean, right. there's, so, I, there's not. So for no, me, no when I go to, like, figure out a setup for my uh, – for my bow. Um, I do, I don't necessarily do a lot of bow tuning per se, but, uh, unless I'm consistently or if I'm consistently off, I should be able to tune it to where I need it to be as far as the arrow placement. Um, but I'm not the kind of guy who likes to change things up a lot. If, uh, if what's currently working for me works, uh, so, was this just a matter of, hey, I got a new bow and I got a 
basically uh, a fitting in period to try to find what my next uh, what my my next setup's going to be or did you do you just like tinkering and playing around with different types of gear? No, I mean normally I like to find what I like and I like to use it and and not really mess around. But but when I did upgrade from a '93 model bow to you know 2012, right. I mean it just it kind of forced me into tinkering a little bit more and then learning the technology and and stuff like that. I mean, I've pretty much, you know, I mean, I, I feel pretty confident. And I went with a QAD drop away rest probably a year ago and I love it. And um, I'm pretty much, I mean, I'm pretty much geared at, like I've pretty much found everything I need uh, at this point. I mean, I just want to add, you know, at this point, I mean, I, you know, I mean, it's just kind of tinkering with just little things. But right. For the most part, the products that I use, I'm pretty, I think I'm pretty good right now. I, I like what I'm using. Okay, cool. Well, hopefully uh, all that's that same uh, uh, setup works for you in the next, uh, in the next season coming up here in 2017. Um it sounded like 2016 was also a year where you tried a couple different tree stands as well. Can you uh, talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, so this year I added, it's a, a, a lone wolf setup with, you know, four sticks. And then um, I went ahead and I got a summit climber. It's the, um, the Viper Elite. And then a mobile tripod. It's a Millennium makes it. It, it weighs about 30 pounds, and um, it, it works in some really good areas where I can't do tree stands or climbers. Okay. So right off the bat, uh, when, I, when I think of lone wolf, I think of mobile run-and-gun style hunting. Is that something that you were looking for to do more of Uh in 2016 when you purchased this uh setup or um why did you decide to purchase these three uh these three tree stands and uh maybe talk about what you were looking for in a tree stand particularly right so basically like with the lone wolf i mean i just i've just heard so many many good things about it um, it gives me another option. I mean, where where a climber won't work, I can I can get a lone wolf in it. Um, I wanted it to be mobile. I really didn't. I mean, I hung it this year and left it, and just and was mobile out of my climbers just because I'm you know I've hunted out of climbers since I was 16, and I mean I'm efficient with them, um, but. You know, kind of, I wanted to break myself in with the lone wolf because I could see where it would be real beneficial. You know, if if there's a tree I can't get in with a climber, to be efficient with the lone wolf. Okay, and uh, did that did that tree stand take you uh, a while to learn how to use the lone wolf? As far as maybe putting the sticks up and getting them secure on the tree and then getting the stand up and getting it level. I mean, was there a learning curve for you to use that or did it come pretty naturally? 
Um, I mean, it, there's definitely a learning curve as far as being, you know, my efficiency getting up and like, um, you know, I'm probably just now getting to where I feel like I could, I mean, I don't know. I've never done it in the dark and, and stuff like that. I mean, I can, I can do a, a climber in the dark, you know, no problem. But, um, I mean, the thing with like, yeah, with like the, um, uh, you know, I'm just not efficient in it. So, like, I mean, I, I actually practiced out of it last summer in my backyard. And so I, I put it up and down a couple of times, and, and then I didn't move it this year. The, kind of the strategy I'll have with my lone wolf is in an area, I'll have, like, three different trees already set up so that all I've got to do is climb, set it to where I know that I need to be, and then hunt out of it. Okay. So you know, kind of transitioning from that, uh, the, the lone wolf stands and sticks to the climber, which method did you use the most? Was it the lone wolf or was it the summit climber? Um, well, for any kind of running gun, it was the summit climber. Um, as far as total number six, I sat in them probably, I probably sat in the lone wolf more but I mean, I sat. I mean, I used the climber quite a bit. Okay. Um, summit, yeah. I used. Yeah, Go ahead. The summit, I moved. The summit, I moved around. Um, I had about three or four different trees that I had cut out, and then cut a few out during during bow season. Okay. So then, from uh, from the summit standpoint, uh, this was this the first climber that you ever purchased uh, or did you have other climbers in the past that you, uh, that you used? Yeah. um, I've got an API climber and it's an old, I mean, it's back when API was, you know, wasn't owned by Bass Pro Shops and it's, it's a really good one. Um, But it's compared to the summit as far as getting in and out, it's not, it's not as, efficient so like i just use what i'll do with it usually is i'll just hang it on a tree during the season and i mean i can move it around but if it's in a good spot i'll just leave it there gotcha so which stand i mean i guess if you had to choose between one of those two stands and you could only use one the rest of uh or let's say for the 2017 season, which one are you using? Um, that's a tough question because I'd really probably, if I only had one choice, I'd probably just use the lone wolf. Um, just because it's, I don't know. I mean, I don't, it's just that quality of their construction just is so good. I mean, I feel so good in that, in that stand. I gotcha. Okay. And, uh, sitting in it, standing in it all day, um, are both comfortable, uh, or do you prefer one over the other as far as comfort is concerned? Um, they're, they're both real comfortable. The, um, the, um, I guess the climbers, they're just, um, have, I mean, they're just not like, I don't know, when you're standing on the platform and shooting out of them, it's not that they don't feel stable, but those lone wolves feel like, you know, like they're on, con- like you're on concrete. I mean, it's, 
it's a different stable. Okay. Gotcha. Now, what brand makes this mobile tripod tree stand? Uh, Millennium. Millennium. Okay, that's right. Uh, and so, go ahead and talk to us about this mobile tripod. So it's just it's a it's like a all aluminum. It's thirty three pounds. I mean, you only sit up about six feet. But there's in some of the spots that I hunt. I mean, there's I can't get into. Uh, there's no trees or. I mean, there's trees, but you, they're not climbable or whatever. And it's just that um, you can get into some thick stuff. And there's just some good opportunities for it. And, um, so that's kind of the motivation behind it. We've also got like pine plantations where they thin, thin out rows and stuff. And it creates a lot of good cover. Um, but it also kind of gives you some open spots. And, and so there's really nothing that most of the trees are too skinny to climb or even put a lock on in. And, and so it's a good option in that, in that environment too. Okay. So do you bow hunt out of this stand or is this a gun hunting type of stand for you? Um, I, I bow hunted out of it and, um, I sat in it, I think, two or three times this year. I wasn't really set up for it like I'm going to be next year. I'll have like four or five spots I can move this thing to, and they'll be it'll be in a good setup. But um, I did when I did sit in it. I mean, I had I had a little doe come about you know four yards behind me. Never, you know, she saw me when she got on top of me. I had a two and a half year old buck cross about 20 yards in front of me never saw me um and then i shot i harvested two pigs out of it so oh, okay so is this something that <laughs> is this something that you'll be using more for maybe pig hunting instead of uh, uh deer hunting uh, i've got like some spots that'll be perfect for deer hunting um just because the cover's so thick it's easy to set up in and you're just you're you're in good cover. Um, and they'll be, they'll be like in some tight spots, you know, where I'm not going to be able to see very far, but maybe I'll have like a, you know, like two 20 yard shots, but they'll be on food in cover. We've got like these spots where I hunt down in the river bottoms where they did a lot of cutting. And when the, the growth came back, these like, um, an invasive tree came in and they created a ton of cover in some of these spots. And it also, there's protected, like, white oaks and pin oaks and stuff. And I've noticed that they hammer those in those tight spots. And so I'm going to try to, you know, I mean, I may kind of bump stuff. I don't know. I mean, but I'm going to try to get on top of it and at least try it out. Gotcha. Well, it sounds like you got a, I, got a game plan. Yeah. And the, the climbers or even ladder, any other stand just wouldn't work in these situation so that tripod you know it's a good it's a good um, weapon for me i guess gotcha all right so we've kind of covered uh your thinking on uh broadheads and and you bouncing back and forth uh with some broadheads and then uh you've uh we talked a little bit about your tree stand uh your approach using a different couple different tree stands now uh between now 
and the time the 2007 season starts, do you have any other products that you're looking for? Or um, do you have any other products that uh, uh, either they're worn out, they need replaced, or you're just going to look to upgrade or or maybe try a a product that uh, you've never tried before? Um. I don't know. I'll probably, I, I, I want to get one more climber and one more lone wolf set up. Um, so that you know, that, that'll run me a couple. I mean, six. Yes, you know, that's about six hundred dollars right there. So um, that's probably be a big purchase. Pretty much everything else. I mean, I'm pretty set up on um, just some little tinkering stuff. Like I'm gonna get like. Uh, like in one of the hunter safety systems, like the bow holder little deal. So when you're in the stand, you've kind of got it cocked right there. A buddy of mine uses that and likes it. And so some of like little stuff like that, I mean, I'm going to look to just improve kind of my efficiency in the stand. Right. So I'm not moving around so much or just. Okay. Kind of rethink that, rethink like the cover and stuff. Gotcha. So really, I mean, I really got more. I mean, like I, this year, you know, there was, I was hunting out of pop-up blinds. I mean, I hunted out of pants. So um, just kind of improve on those. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I tell you what, Philip, uh, thanks for coming on the show. I really, yeah, appre- um, I, I really appreciate you, you taking. Know, my arrows, my broadheads, my bows pretty much. Hello? You there? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Uh, you there? Yeah, can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Dan? I can now, yeah. Okay. I don't know what happened. Uh, you kind of blacked out at uh, towards the uh, uh, towards the end there. I could hear you, but I don't think you could hear me. Um, however, uh, first off, you know, thanks for I'll edit all this stuff stuff out. But hey, uh, thanks for taking time to uh, chat with me about uh, your gear situation here. Uh, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to do this, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. I appreciate what you do. I, a lot of stuff I try is through conversations, you know, that I hear you, different um, podcasts that you put out and stuff like that. So, well, I really appreciate ahead. it. Huge shout out to Philip for coming on the podcast and sharing that story of uh, broadheads with us. Huge shout out to DeerLab.com and Exodus Trail Cameras. Thank you guys for your support. Thanks to each and every one of you who takes the time to download the podcast. And if you haven't already, check me out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Go uh, go follow me there. I, I throw some pictures and some other content and questions out on my social media avenues. Go to iTunes.com. Please leave a review. That would be helpful as well. And remember, if you are in a tree, remember to wear your damn safety harness. Have a good week.